Welcome to another Airsoft Medicine Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark Vaughn, also called Dr. Airsoft. This is the uh, second podcast segment I'd ever done for Airsoft, and this was actually one of two versions of the same podcast. One was done for my medical practice at the Auburn Medical Group, and then the other one was custom-made for Airsoftology. And uh, let's get right into it. Again, if you're listening on iTunes, please do rate us. And I encourage people to become a fan on Facebook of Dr. Airsoft and to visit frequently at airsoftmedicine.com. Let's get right to the heat-related illness Airsoft podcast. Hello and welcome to Dr. Airsoft, another segment on Airsoftology, your podcast about all things Airsoft. I'm Dr. Mark Vaughn of the Auburn Medical Group. This week, I'd like to talk about heat-related illness, particularly because Jonathan wrote and asked me to speak about this. I'd like to start out with a narrative here taken out of a textbook. The textbook is titled Wilderness Medicine by Paul Auerbach. The following mid-19th century narrative, excerpted from a cavalry detachment three and a half days without water by Captain J.H.T. King, Assistant Surgeon, U.S. Army Post-Surgeon, Fort Concho, Texas, describes vividly the devastating impact of heat and dehydration on a military unit in Texas during the Indian Wars. The next day found them still marching onwards, and the midday tropical heat causing great suffering. The desire for water now became uncontrollable. The most loathsome fluid would now have been accepted to moisten their swollen tongues and supply their inward craving. Salary and mucus secretions had long been absent. Their mouths and throats were so parched that they could not swallow the government hard bread. Vertigo and dimness of vision affected all. They had difficulty in speaking, voices weak and strange sound, and they were troubled with deafness, appearing stupid to each other, asking questions several times before they could be understood. They were also very feeble and had a tottering gait. Many were delirious. As the horses gave out, they cut them open and drank their blood, which was thick and coagulated instead instantly on exposure. Nevertheless, at the time, it appeared more delicious than anything they had ever tasted. This horse blood quickly developed into diarrhea, passing through the bowels almost as soon as it taken. Their own urine, which was very scanty and deeply colored, they drank thankfully, first sweetening it with sugar. The inclination to urinate was absent and micturation performed with difficulty. That means urinating. A few drank the horse's urine, although at times it was caught in cups and given to the animals themselves. They became oppressed with dyspnea, which is shortness of breath, and a feeling of suffocation as though the sides of the trachea were adhering, prolonging the intervals between each instant as much as possible. Their lips were covered with a whitish dry froth and had a ghostly, pale, lifeless appearance as though they would never be opened again. Their fingers and the palm of their hands looked shriveled and pale. Some removed their boots, suffered from swollen feet and legs. Wow. If that doesn't get you excited about heat-related illness, I don't know what does. So we're going to talk a little bit about heat-related illness here and how to avoid having to cut open your horse. 
heat-related illness affects uh, mainly older people. We're talking about things like heat stroke or exertional heat stroke, which affects young people. Specifically, I'd like to talk about what some of the, the risk factors are for heat illness uh, in younger folk, starting with physiologic risk factors. That would be dehydration, poor physical fitness, lack of acclimatization or being used to the heat, obesity, age, fatigue, and as affects so many airsoft players, pregnancy. Conditional circumstances, that would be the hot climate, carrying a heavy load, inadequate rest periods, impermeable clothing, clothing that doesn't breathe, insulated materials, missed meals, and then a category of concurrent diseases and congenital abnormalities, central nervous system lesions, sweat gland dysfunction, infectious diseases, diabetes mellitus, skin disorders, diarrhea, drugs affected, drug abuse, certain medications that you should check with your doctor if you're taking before playing out in the heat, alcohol, caffeine, all those stimulant drinks. We want to stay away from those. Also, psychological stress, over-motivation. Over-motivation is what we find in special forces recruits. These people will do anything to get into special forces, and they subject themselves to heat illness. And that would go along with peer pressure, which eh, could happen on airsoft field. It's, it's conceivable that it could. So I'd like to talk about uh, a few of these issues. We want to talk, touch on acclimatization, dehydration or rehydration, clothing, uh, heat, humidity, and then we'll get into signs, symptoms, and treatment. Acclimatization is just simply getting used to the heat. Your body changes with exposure to the heat. It's estimated that it takes about 10 days for an adult to get used to the elevated temperature or for their body to use elevated temperature when they're out working or playing in it. The changes that occur are several. Uh, just a couple I'll touch on. One is volume of sweat, the amount of fluid you're losing, and the sodium content of sweat. Specifically, the sodium content decreases as you get acclimated. And that's why you see all of these people talking about their uh, rehydration drinks. They have the TV commercials that show these electrolyte-containing sport drinks that have uh, glowing orange fluid dripping from the bodies as they're playing sports, and they say to get it in you, uh, implying that you're losing and sweat stuff that you need to replace. That's a half-truth. The sodium, specifically, is an issue when people are really losing a lot of sodium in their sweat, when they're not acclimated, or when they're having a lot of activity and not adequately replacing it in their diet. So... Usually this isn't happening in a, a one-day episode of going out and playing airsoft. And that's why I don't really make a big deal about these uh, electrolyte-containing sport drinks. But if you're day-after-day day sweating, or if you're not acclimated, uh, then these make sense to help replace the sodium that you are losing in your sweat. There is a problem with people rehydrating with just water when it's large volumes, and they actually increase the level of sodium in their body because they're diluting it with the water they're drinking. That can cause a problem uh, just as well as heat-related illness, although we don't see it, see it nearly as often as heat-related illness due to just simply not rehydrating enough. So I don't want to discourage people from drinking water if they're thirsty and, and dehydrated, but uh, the sport drinks, we'll, we'll kind of reserve those for the multi-game days, or if you're working hard out in the sun the day before you're playing airsoft, then it makes sense to go ahead and use that. But for the most part, we're getting our sodium through our diet uh, more than enough in most instances. Also, volume of 
water or sport drink is another issue we need to talk about. The body can only take so much so quickly, and it's estimated that we can only absorb and make use of about one liter per hour max of fluid. So if you're drinking more than one liter per hour, you're just making your stomach distended and actually putting yourself at risk for nausea, vomiting, and worsening the sodium situation through a hormone regulation. The uh, clothing that we wear makes a difference. Uh, you heard when I was reading the risk factors that impermeable clothing, uh, wearing insulation, those are things that you, you want to avoid, certainly on a hot day when you're out playing. Uh, one of the items of clothing that makes a big difference, and you may not realize it, is something on top of your head. And so I encourage people that are playing in hot environments not to have any kind of a helmet-type mask, just something that covers the eyes and face. But leave the top of your head open if you're out in the heat. Or if you're starting to get hot, really noticing that you're sweating, go ahead and remove whatever the hat is on top of your head so that you can just uh, ha have the heat transfer from the skin out to the air. Other factors that we talked about were heat and humidity. When it starts getting hot, you start sweating more. You guys in the Midwest know what humidity is. Uh, those of us in California, we don't really <laughs> get a lot of that. There's something called the wet bulb globe temperature that's been devised to warn people when they need to start watching out when they're exercising. This is measured in Fahrenheit degrees, and it takes into account the humidity and the ambient temperature. Wet bulb globe temperatures, if you have access to them or you can get them on the Internet for your area, if you see it, in the 80s, you need to be thinking about having something with you to keep you hydrated, uh, drinking enough, dressing light if you can, and knowing where you can get some shade or take your hat off if you start getting hot, because that could be an issue. Wet bulb temperature is 80s. Now, once it gets up to 90, as a doctor, I, I pretty much have to say, don't play today. That's just setting people up for having heat-related illness. Some of the signs and symptoms that you're going to be looking for with this include flushed face, hyperventilating, headache, dizziness, nausea, tingling arms, even goosebumps, chilliness, incoordination, and confusion. Part of the problem is confusion, and it keeps people from realizing what's going on. So you kind of have to look out for your, your buddies out there and see if this is coming on. Get them into the shade. Some other treatments that you want to do would be, besides getting them in the shade, removing restrictive clothing. Go ahead and take all the clothes off you can, apply large amounts of water onto them, and then come up with some kind of way to fan them so you start getting some evaporation of that water you just put on them. And then if they are not turning around just immediately and saying, okay, yeah, I, I feel back to normal now, uh, get them out, evacuate them to the nearest medical facility. If they do feel better, don't jump right back in the game because you're just going to be back in the same place. Go ahead and get out, drink some water or electrolyte pain sport drink, and maybe later in the day, you know, several hours, you might be able to get back into it. But chances are th that's it for playing for the day. If, if you got to that point, that we should not be letting that happen. I'm not going to tell you about checking temperatures because in all of the medical literature, it's only talking about measuring rectal temperatures. And uh, I really don't want you guys doing that out in the field. That's it for this segment of Dr. Airsoft on Airsoftology. If you have questions, write to the guys at Airsoftology, or you can write to me at podcast at vonmd.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at V-A-U-G-H-A-N-M-D.com. This is Dr. Vaughn.
on behalf of Airsoftology telling you to stay cool, stay hydrated, and stay in good health. Barton Imports Incorporated is one of North America's largest distributors of premium quality airsoft products for military training and recreational purposes. Our major product lines have full warranty, and we offer comprehensive in-house, dealer, and consumer technical support. Among the many brand items we carry, Spartan Imports is the exclusive distributor of Magpul licensed PTS airsoft products, Classic Army and Javelin brands of airsoft guns, and Amp Tactical and Mag brands of high-quality airsoft and recreational shooting tics and accessories.